Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Getting you through your workday one hour at a time. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Great to have your company, an hour left to go and our first day appointment, always well looked forward to by me and the listeners just after two o'clock, Tony Johnson joins us out of Sky Sports. TJ, oh, what a game last night. What a remarkable, entertaining game last night. Yeah, it wasn't bad, was it? I mean, honestly, I just, you know, two-thirds of the way through, you're just thinking, well, they can just put this one in the book, Waikato, and, you know, you'd, you'd think you'd learn and and you always sort of talk about the door still being open, uh, but I, once things turned, and I got to say, uh, you know, the difference uh, was the bench. Mm. You know, uh, they were out of it, Hawks Bay. They had no right to still be in that game. Waikato had absolutely done. The stats were phenomenal, but you got to hand it to it. You know, a guy like uh, Jeff Cridge coming on, I think that's where it's changed it. You know, they started sorting their line out. Uh, line out, which had been a disaster. They got that cleaned up, and then obviously Fakatava coming into the game can make a big change. But they got great value out of their bench. Uh, Angelo uh, Tuivaki was another one. But what happened at the end? It's just one of those situations we've seen it before. Um, you know, you remember that All Black, famous All Black France game at the World Cup in 1999. It's almost as if you're powerless to do anything about it because mm. the momentum has just swung so viciously. Uh, and in, in the end, it was an incredible finish. And the funny thing is, uh, Hawks Bay, they're three for three now, and none of their games has been decided uh, by a margin of more than three points. And they've had to do it at the death, but it just says something about the quality uh, and, and also the character of that team. Yeah, 18, 18 points behind with 13 minutes to go. You, you could almost turn the TV off, and I'm pleased I didn't. Um, just before we leave the MPC, uh, TJ, we had Steve Lancaster in studio for the first half hour. Um, they're saying that the viewing figures are up, attendances are down, but viewing figures are up through Sky and uh, streaming in all, all the various services. I'd have to say, I think the quality of the NPC on the park has been really good this year. And there's lots of intrigue there too. You've got 
you know, the likes of Johnny Arfor coming back from overseas. Mm. And I love the way guys do that. You know, they could easily sort of sit back and they've probably got a reasonable nest egg from all the rugby they've played in the Northern Hemisphere, but just a chance to give back. And, you know, uh, I know um, what a, a, a great presence he is to have around the, the Bay of Plenty side. Um, and, and so there's that. I think, you know, we are seeing some really cliffhanger finishes. Uh, you know, I just think the issue is people, and, and what I, I really, I actually get sick of it, Staffy, people banging on about the crowd sizes. And, and I had a, another radio host on another network on about it, and I said, you know, you keep going on about it while you sit there and watch the game on your couch. <laughs> and, you know, you, you, people sit there, watch the game either on their couch or on TV, and then c- complain about the crowd sizes. The fact of the matter is, you know, the interest is there in the television audience. No, it's not a great look when there's not a crowd there. But, you know, it's also an absolute myth. You know, the way people go on, you'd think that, you know, you go back 10 years or 15 years and every game was watched by 20,000 people. It's just simply not not true. So, you know, we get a bit hung up on that. And, it, and, and I, I do think that, you know, the unions are looking at ways to try and find a, perhaps a more compact environment uh, a better, uh, closer to the action viewing experience. And that's why, you know, for example, this week, we've got the Battle of the Bridge at Oniwa Main. You know, it should be a, a, a tremendous game and hopefully they'll get a good crowd because it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit different rather than sitting in a cavernous Eden Park or something like that. And so, you know, they're, they're trying to think their way around it and they've obviously got a lot of challenges, which Steve Lancaster would have talked about. Mark Robinson's been talking about it. Slightly unfortunate um choice of phrase when he said it wasn't fit for purpose. I think it is fit for purpose. It provides a very important tier of our rugby. Uh, you know, and, and you could argue that it, it, it's now it's the new club rugby, if you like, in terms of the pecking order. But it, it's, it, it's still a really important competition. And if people stop moaning about it and watch some of the action and, and took it in, they'd find it's actually still a, a, a bloody good competition. Yeah, well, last night's game was the best advertisement you'd get for it, and I'm not even invested in either team. I just I just loved it. I, I loved I loved new caps, debutantes, blazer games. I love all that stuff, TJ. Uh, something that universally the rugby world has not loved, except for his teammates and his old coach, Eddie Jones, is this Owen Farrell decision. I throw the microphone to you, Owen Farrell. Well, well, there's a, there's a couple of things about this. Firstly, I'm just wondering whether this could backfire spectacularly on England. It, it is an absolute abomination that he's got off. And, mate, you've got to look at the panel. And it's a panel all based in Australia. Adam Castleton, Castleton who's a, a QC, he's running it. You've got two former players there, and John Langford, who wasn't, averse to a bit of Biff himself when he was playing. I remember him climbing all over a ruck down in Dunedin one night. David Croft, Crofty, he was a you know, good man, good player, um, Queensland Reds um, flanker. But, you know, these are poachers turned gamekeepers. And all this year, last year, I've been bemoaning the, the, the light sentences that the Sanzar judiciary have been handing out. It's all, you know, former players making judgment on current players. They've been soft. And that's what we've seen it again. How they can come up with the conclusion that they have is beyond me. Farrell is a recidivist offender, and you've all seen it. You can go through you know, his track record, his rap sheet, his CV, whatever you like. It's all there for all to see. You know, he's spent two weeks here, three weeks there. He should have got eight weeks for that because of his previous. 
He, he I think, got a, a weak sentence earlier on this year, which was reduced because he was due to watch the safety video. You know, to me, this is a clear case of a guy driving up, making contact, you know, with the shoulder to the head of a player, how they can, you know, A, even not give him an extended um, uh, suspension, but in fact then turn around and rescind the red card. Absolutely beggars belief. And if rugby world, uh, sorry, if world rugby is at all serious about this um, campaign to make the game safer, then they must appeal this decision. But they won't because it's England. I'm sure, you know, I'll stick my neck out and say that. But secondly, it could backfire horribly because the refs won't like having seen their work undone. And if he does play in this tournament, they will be watching his every move and it could well backfire horribly on them. And in some ways, I hope it does. The backlash, particularly in the UK, and you know how cutting the press is up there, they are universal in their much much like you and me, um, just disbelief that um, no red card, no suspension, on we go. Will world, world Rugby buckle and be forced to appeal? Can you see that? Well, there has been a bit of a populist streak, and I've said it before, we live in the era of populism where um, people, you know, too many decisions, I think, get made, you know, based on what's going on and, you know, on the public forums um, rather rather than what's actually best for the situation. They make it, you know, decisions are made based on what they think is public opinion. Uh, it wouldn't, in some ways, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see World Rugby you know, turn around and say, sorry, this isn't good enough. But as I say, on the other hand, so close to the World Cup, uh, it, they'd be setting a bit of a precedent um, because it would mean that every time something happened at the World Cup, you know, would they have to step in then as well? So I guess we'll just have to wait and see, and we'll know in the next 24 hours. But if, if World Rugby is serious about cleaning up the game, making it safer, cutting back on their head injuries, then they absolutely have to act. But whether they've got the guts to do it, particularly when it's such a, you know, a key member of, of the England team. And then you've got to think about the effect. Is, what sort of impact is this going to have on England, knowing that the entire world, is opposed, you know, is against what's happened here. That they're going to be on your case. That the minute Owen Farrell steps out of line, starts whinging and complaining and throwing his arms around as he always does, uh, that the crowds are going to get onto him. And you know, maybe having a chip on their shoulder might suit England going into this tournament. But I don't think it. it, it I don't think it's going to do them any good. Um, and and so either way, I, th- I think they've got a target on their back. If, if, he, if he does get off, then I think that the reaction at the World Cup, both from the referees and the fans, could very much impact on their chances. And, of course, if they do turn around and throw the book at them, then they lose a, a guy that clearly they see as a key man in, the, in their team. Mm. Yes, it is a watch this space. And I, I believe that World Rugby, that they have to appeal by tonight New Zealand time or tomorrow morning New Zealand time. So yeah. it is very much a watch this space. Um, yeah, and mate, if they don't, then they're culpable in this as well. Yes. They have failed um, in, in their duty. I agree, 100%. It's just paying lip service to all this player welfare stuff. It all becomes bollocks yeah. because they can hide behind that. Um all Blacks' next game is South Africa. I'm going to watch that game between clenched fingers, just hoping we stay healthy, because, boy, there's some 
some injuries, particularly South Africa, Australia. Um, this is going to be a brutal affair. I hope we come through unscathed, TJ. Yeah, I really question the wisdom of this. Um, I don't think the Springboks, they play the game hard. I don't think they sort of set out to, to damage anyone. You know, we won't, we won't go down that path. But just the very nature of the game. I, I really question the wisdom of New Zealand rugby organising this game. Clearly, there are dollar signs. They have to play a World Cup lead-up game. But does it have to be the Springboks, really? Hmm. Uh, and and I'm, I'm exactly the same because, you know, injuries already. We, we, we've seen some a couple of quite significant injuries uh, to other teams in the lead-up to the World Cup. Already, we're sweating a little bit on Brody Retallick. Um, but France have lost uh, Romain Intermac, and that's a, that's a huge blow. Now, France, in their current state, should be able to absorb that injury Uh you know, they've got great depth, they've got a, a great squad, and, you know, he's just one cog, but he's a pretty important one. Jalabert is a, is a clever player as well, but you lose that combination of DuPont and Intermac, which is brilliant, best in the world. And, and so that, that is an issue for them. Uh, and then England, uh, maybe a little bit of karma, uh, that, uh, importantly, the, 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 uh, the halfback, I think that's his name, uh, he, he's had an injury. And that looks like that could well cost him as well. And so, yeah, you, you are going to cross your fingers and cross your toes and what have you that the All Blacks get through this game against the Springboks at uh, Twickenham without any serious injuries. Uh, there's a lot of interest in that game. I think there's going to be a pretty big audience for it, even if it is just a warm-up game. Uh, South Africa, um, the, the, you know, I think we talked about it last week. There's interesting selections there, mm-hmm. but the more I think about it, I think the more the, the more I reckon uh, this is Rassi uh, pulling a swifty. He's named four halfbacks, and I'll, I'll bet you anything you like that one of them will come down with an injury at some point, and they'll send him home, and they'll call for Andre Pollard. Yeah, I think the same too. And I haven't just touched on before we go. No Hooper, no Cooper. I was surprised both. Anything rhyming with Hooper? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, not surprised about Quaid. I just don't know what Eddie was playing at when he um, brought him in to play those early games. You know, surely if um, Carter Gordon's your man, then you get him in from the off and and get him to learn the ropes. Uh, and and so, you know. Craig Cooper, uh, just another, you know, twist and turn in this, uh, you know, rather tortuous career that he has had. Hooper, feel sorry for him. Mm. Uh, he's got an, an injury, obviously, but, you know, he's the sort of guy, if there's any chance of him playing, surely you'd want him in the mix. So that's a bit of a strange one. And I find, complete, talking of strange, bizarre, and, you know, again, just rather symptomatic of this scattergun approach to running the game Andrew McLennan has, he's now started talking about them building towards the, the next World Cup. Uh, you know, Australia, particularly with the draw they have and the talent they have, they should be seeing themselves as a chance to win this tournament. Yes. Or, or certainly go very deep into it. But suddenly McLennan's now talking about the need uh, we're, we're building uh, for, for 2027. It just... It, it's a bit strange to me to hear that, uh, you know, especially coming out of a, a nation that, you know, usually are pretty gung-ho about about things like this. Uh, just an odd, an odd thing to say. 
but I think this day and age we get used to our administrators saying odd things, don't we? <laughs> oh, you're so poignant and so correct, TJ. I love chatting to you. Uh, brilliant once again, TJ. We'll catch up again next week. Yeah, sorry if my usual subtlety has departed me for this day, um, Staffy, but Loved yeah, it. always good to talk to you, mate. Loved it. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. Tony Johnson from Sky Sport. You can catch his wonderful commentaries, and he did a fantastic job last night down at Hawke's Bay last night. When there's a dramatic finish, you want Tony Johnson behind the mic. I can give you the tip. He really brings the colour. We shall take a break here. <coughs> Gather myself, go and get a cup of water, a glass of water. You have a cup of tea and a glass of water. Go and get a glass of water. We'll find out what's making news after this.